all and welcome to Remastered, your new favourite gaming podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Bowie, and joining me today, as ever, is my co-op companion, Carl Johnson. Hi Steve, you alright mate? I'm good mate, you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. What's new with you? There's nothing new with me, Stephen, but I do have some news. Then let's have it. Okay, so kicking us off for this week's headlines is God of War finally has a release date. Ubisoft unveils Sam. Crystal Dynamics, the developer behind the new Avengers game, is hiring big. We Happy Few is delayed yet again and the pre-purchase option removed. Assassin's Creed Origins DLC is out now. Dragon Ball Z Fighters is released. And Monster Hunters has hit shelves. And Xbox Game Pass will include all first-party software released on the day of release. And that brings us nicely onto our next segment called R-Rated. During this segment, we are going to ask the one question we feel needs to be addressed based on this week's headlines. And what do you think that question is this week, Stephen? So, the question this week, I think, revolves around the announcement of the Xbox Games Pass having the first-party titles. Okay. And by that, I mean, are we going to get a lot more first-party titles to warrant this service? So, do you think that this announcement with Xbox Game Pass sort of alludes to a big E3 for them? I think it has to. I don't think you can launch a service such as this and not be prepared to back it up in a couple of months saying, this is our service, these are all the games that are coming out and this is why you should be part of this service because they can announce something in, at E3 during the show and they'll, they can be like, after the show's finished, you can get this in the next hour. Like, literally drop it right there and then and say, sign up to Xbox Pass now because you're going to get this game today, you're going to get this game in two months time, you're going to get this game in like December. And I think that's the big thing about the Xbox Game Pass announcement is that not only are you going to get Sea of Thieves or the future Halo or a new IP if they release it, but you're going to get it the same time as everybody else who goes out to a GameStop or a game or buys it off Amazon, you're going to be able to play it the exact same day at the same time. I think that's massive news for me. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think you're going to see the attach rate on games increase for their first parties because if you're signed up to that service already, it, it's, it's better than having a demo in that respect then because you will try the game out because you've paid your subscription. So and it's a, new, a free new, hit. Yeah, exactly. So you can effectively try the whole game as you would with just a demo segment because you'll have paid all that money already. You're not losing out on anything. So you're going to discover some hits that you really like and you're going to discover some that you was going to possibly buy and think, you know what, that's not for me and then never touch it again. But the option's there then with the pass. For me, I think it's a really clever way to defraud the numbers. So we know that when a game sells well, we hear about it. Horizon sold X million. When a game does poorly, everybody hears about it. Yeah. It only sold this, it only sold that. If you get so many subscribers, you can say that you sold that game to that person, oh, yeah. even if they didn't download it. Yeah, it's going to boost uh, digital sales, if you like, massively in terms of Xbox first parties, because they'll be able to say that we've had 10 million people play this, this game, and that's going to be true, they'll have 10 million people download it, but in terms of attach rate the stick around, might only be 5 million, but they won't have... They won't necessarily have to disclose that figure. They can just give you the big headline of this downloaded 10 million times. Yeah. And for me, I think that this is going to allude to Microsoft really going big and trying to catch PlayStation up with the void that they've had for the last few years. 
we know that when they come out with the Xbox One console, it wasn't a games console, it was a media centre. Yeah, an entertainment <clears throat> system also. Phil Spencer and everyone over at Microsoft have tried to move away from that now. Yeah. And I think now's about the time that we get all of the first party games. Because if you think that it takes three, four years to create a, a new game from scratch, if they didn't have them in development for the release of the console, now would be about the time we're about to get them. Yeah. Do you think that this is now going to see a big shift in the console war that people impose on these two companies? I think I think it will, yeah. And I think not only because of the the new titles that will come out, I think it's also, in terms of financially, it almost makes sense now if you are going to buy a console to go down the Xbox route rather than the PlayStation route because you can buy your, your Xbox and straight away, instead of buying a bundle of games to go with it, you can sign up for the pass and then you've got a bundle of 100 games. Yeah, So an entire back catalogue. Yeah. And, and ones you may have missed for the... Backwards compatibility. Exactly, it's got the backwards compatibility um, going for it as well. So, like I say, it's just the options are all there then because you've got all of those at, at your disposal. You, it, it's cheaper, so instead of buying 10 or 12 different games throughout the year, you'll pay this one subscription fee per month and then get hundreds of games instead. I think it's a brilliant model. Uh, for me, I think it could be the, the future of the gaming industry. Uh, move into this subscription model like we see with things like Netflix and Amazon. For me, I don't buy my games digitally, I'm all physical and that's mainly because of the financial reasons behind it so if I buy a game and finish it I can trade it in and get a bit of money back for it and that way the next game that I buy is cheaper mm -hmm. whereas with the Xbox Games Pass if monthly it was the price of one game then I would be more inclined to do that certainly because for the price of one game I'm getting 100, 200, 300, however many games and there's all that back catalogue of old older games such as Xbox 360 games. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely purchase this pass if I was going to buy an Xbox. So I don't have the pass yet but I will be purchasing it. I do think it's a brilliant idea. I hope that what they're saying with these first party software coming to it I hope it's not just going to be an acceptance that they are behind Sony in their yeah. software and saying, okay, we're only going to release Forza, Halo and Gears. Those will be the free first party games yeah. you get a year. But you can pay for the subscription service, £120 a year, yeah. and you'll get all those games included. I hope that they go really big with it and we do see a big E3. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think... I think the fact that you get, can download them and play them in your leisure then I think helps as well because if you can download them, there's a possibility that you might not need an internet connection to play the game once you've downloaded them. Yep. So that, again, uh, prolongs the life of it for starters. And, um, and So they have actually said that as long as you have your pass, you, you will keep that game. That, that game will never remove from your hard drive, even if they remove it from their lineup. If you've downloaded that game to your console, they remove it from their lineup, you're still entitled to play it and you can play it as long as you want. See, that's great. And I think if they couple that with a, a clever marketing ploy to, as we've seen with PlayStation, get it first on PlayStation. If they do that, but get it first on Xbox Games Pass and say you can get 
the latest release three days prior to it actually coming out. Yeah. Like like some services do that already where you can get the game a bit early, like on EA Access, for example. Yeah. If they start doing that then with other games, you could see a lot more people making the jump from PlayStation to Xbox. Definitely. We're going to take you now into our signature segment that we've titled... Remastered. And what's the purpose of this segment then, Steve? So the purpose of this segment is to basically pie in the sky idea of uh, games that we know and love, or possibly not love, um, how would we remaster them, if you wish, into, I don't know, a different genre or a different type of game. So we're going to reimagine a game, basically. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the theme for this week is kind of games of last year, because the whole idea behind this segment came from Assassin's Creed reimagining, remastering itself into um, an RPG, essentially, and changing direction. So go on then, week one, what's yours? So, mine for me, and I think... I think this is something we're probably going to get in the near future, hopefully this year. Don't say that, because that will kill me. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> um, but basically, for me, it's Pokemon, but Breath of the wild So, massive open world, um, preferably set for the Generation 1 Pokemon, so sort of a soft reboot. That's what I want. I want them to eliminate anything after... Well. I'd, I'd happily let them go to silver, gold, maybe crystal. But yeah, generation one. Yeah. So, yeah, to like breath, breath of the wild eyes it and have it third person, following your character around, and then the AI that you bump into sets your quests, for example. Yeah. Um, which isn't too far from what we have currently in the handheld world. Only you can store it better in like a, a quest-based system with all side quests, such as... Um, for example, when you've got to collect a ticket to get onto the the boat in red, blue, and yellow, yeah, like that could easily be a side quest, yeah. Um, or gym battles could be side quests, or I don't know when somebody wants to trade with you, that could be another side quest. So you can build up all this log um, and manage it a bit better than current Pokemon games do, yeah. Because um, I've not played any of the most recent ones on 3DS, but. I don't think there's like a quest-based system that's implemented in that, is there, where you can track them easily? No, no, it's um, it's basically the same as the old ones. It's you'll start a side quest or a mission, and that's what you're doing. You don't deviate from that really. Yeah. I mean, you can do, but, but there's no way to view it. and You have to remember everything yeah. you, that you're currently doing. It's on you, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'd really like to see. Um, I think I think that would sell hugely. I think, although loads of people have brought a Switch already, I think you'd see even more Switch sales happening then. Um, and I think the other th- cool thing with this would be um, incorporating some sort of peripheral with it. Because um, yeah. obviously you can take it on the go wherever. So s- similar to like a, a Pokemon Go thing, like if you take it on the go with you... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then Pokemon appear in, in only certain places or something along those lines, I think. So, in Breath of the Wild, if I remember correctly, you could use motion controls for the bow and arrow? Yeah, that's correct. And could you use it for the sword? Um, I, don't, I don't think you could. You could, could use it for the sword, but it's more for like a pointer. Yeah, okay. That, yeah, that's right, that's right. Imagine detaching your Joy-Cons, 
wild Pikachu appears, let's say. To throw the Pokeball, you have to use a Joy-Con in a throwing motion. How cool would that be? See, I think that would be amazing, yeah. I'd love that. Um, when we played um, Red, Blue and Yellow as a kid in 99, 2000, whenever it was, don't you think the game that we played was Breath of the Wild um, as a Pokemon game, just because of your imagination? Oh, so definitely. the excitement for it would be your imagination finally coming to fruition, all these years of waiting. We finally have an immersive Pokemon game. It's fully flushed out. Oh. It's The graphics would be yeah. beautiful. Definitely. The, the, oh, it'd, be, it'd be absolutely fantastic. The I think the possibilities for the Pokemon game then would also open up completely. Because at the moment, what, what you have is... Um, let's say, for example, you leave Pallet Town and you go into the, the grass. I won't say tall grass because that comes in a later game, doesn't it? Um, but you stumble across a wild Pidgey. What about if in Breath of the Wild you're just walking along on a pavement and a wild Pidgey flies over your head and stops dead in front of you? And that's how that's how it starts the game. I think that just adds so much yeah, more to it. I think so too. Because that's the only thing that I struggle to kind of work out in my own head. Um, how you'd get around the wild encounters. Because a number of times you get to a point in a game where um, you're trying to reach your next destination because that's that's what you do. You're not bothered about catching anything on that route because you've exhausted the route and you're just kind of retracing some steps. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of go through the grass trying to avoid any uh, like uh, battles or any wild encounters happening. So I don't know how you do the wild encounters um, in that sort of fashion because you'd have to physically approach it. Mm -hmm. But that would make it a bit slightly more realistic, I think, in terms of um, when a Pokemon actually flees. Yeah. That could be initiated within the game, so you could run up to it and it could either start attacking you mm -hmm. and you'd engage in a battle with it or it would flee. So, so for me, I'd want it exactly like a battle in Breath of the Wild where you run up to those pig goblin things and you just start fighting straight away. What if you there was an element of um, stealth to it, so you had to blindside a Pokemon, you walk up slowly, then you release whoever your starter Pokemon is, your Charmander, your Squirtle, and that you initiate the battle then, and then they can either flee or they can attack you back. I think that'd be so beautiful. And I think as well, the way you could still have the um, fleeing system in is, you know, these are Pokemon, these are powerful animals, of course, they're going to outrun you in certain circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it makes some interesting game dynamics because if you are faced with a large Pokemon, for example, that is going to attack you, um, you could end up fleeing from it yourself and being chased by it across halfway across the map, mm -hmm. and like looking for areas to hide and just opens up all these different possibilities that we've not seen in a Pokemon game yet. It would just feel massive. It just feel absolutely revolutionary. That would be fantastic. I can't wait. I hope it comes out. That's, that's E3, what I'm they've got to announce it. That's what I'm hoping. We know we're going to get one for the Switch, so that's the kind of way that I want it to go. I don't want it to just be another iteration of kind of what we see now, mm -hmm. but with a bit better graphics because of it being on Switch. I'd like to see it completely reinvented and a new gaming style, I think.
Brilliant. So tell us what you think in the comments below. Also email in at uh, remasteredpodcast at gmail.com. Have, uh, have you got any game that you've been thinking for this segment that you'd like to see remastered or given the remastered treatment? Uh, well, this is a game for me that I've thought about solidly for about 10, 11 years. Okay. So a lot of thought's so, gone into this. Yeah, but, so yeah, a lot of thought's gone into it. I've always wanted a football game where it's based on um, me or my created character okay. and growing, whether it's into a professional footballer, a Sunday league football, whatever. I think you, once you get into um, an adult level, you you probably negate the rest of the game then. But what I've always wanted is a game as an adolescent and it's a open world sandbox third person view and it's just me playing football so for me it'd be FIFA Street as an open world sandbox game okay. and I, I, I imagine it's something as akin to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater okay. where um, there's a lot of side quests so you'd maybe do some keepy uppy side games you'd maybe play a one on one in a, a cage and I've always imagined like where we used to play football in um, Sturchling, mm-hmm. where we had the two garages facing each other and those were your goals. Imagine playing FIFA Street on that one-on-one. I think that'd yeah. be fantastic. It would be really good. You've also got the added bonus then where you could um, get better trainers, you could get whatever, uh, you could buy jerseys, football tops. Um, there'd be so much customization to yeah, it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of customization options available. So like you say, new boots, new, new shirts, new footballs even. Yeah, 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 definitely. So... Uh, <laughs> The other thing that I also thought about that you often get in these um, sandbox open world games is collectibles. What would I have as collectibles? And in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, historically, it'd just be floating letters that say skate or whatever else. For me, I think it'd be perfect to bring in the um, football trading cards that you used to get when you were a kid. I think that'd be fantastic. And then there'd also be like a... a sort of in-game... Uh, in-game collecting trading card game like match attacks yeah I think that'd be fantastic to have something like that that'd be good because then you could build that into the game and have like have the card game as like a mini game within the game then Mm -hmm. say yeah I I, I think there's so many possibilities with it I think you could also have it with RPG elements so if you played a match of say one-on-one first to five goals and your game goes over five minutes maybe your stamina would increase because of um, the period of time that you've played or maybe you could go to a gym like we saw in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas um, and you could physically build strength yeah I think I think that that mechanic would be something really interesting and something we've not seen done in that way in terms of uh, a stamina system because you could go from, say, playing your one-on-one game that you said, mm-hmm. to then a new quest popping up um, for a, a full-on like five-a-side game. Mm-hmm. But then, because you've just come out of one game, your stamina could be depleted. Yeah. Because not a, n- enough time has has passed for recovery. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something really interesting. Because we see stuff like that in like survival horror games where you have to monitor your food and your drink to make sure you've got enough stamina. So doing that into a football RPG I think would be really interesting, something we've not seen before. Yeah, I think, like I say, it's a game that I've thought about for years and 
I could go into so much detail over it on the way you would upgrade yourself um, and maybe you could add in elements of it so we've seen in games um, like prototype where you can be uh, infamous sorry not prototype where you can be good or bad I think you could incorporate stuff like that into it as well so like there's groups of players in your neighborhood and you can based on choices that you make or yep. teams that you choose when you're, you're picking in the park you could change your story and the dynamic of it that way. I think there's yeah. so much I'd, options that you could go with. Yeah, you could definitely do that and have some sort of rival system. So there's somebody that beats you early on at one-on-one or you beat somebody early one-on-one and then they become your rival and always trying to better you and, and trying to beat you. It's yeah. like a, in a rival team as well. I think I think you could do so much with it. I'd, I'd definitely play that game anyway. Again, tell us what you think. Leave us a comment down below. What game would you like to see remastered and how would you change it for the better or just for another dynamic effect? We also have an email address at remasteredpodcast.gmail.com. We'd love you to send an email to us. We'll reply to every single one. Yep, we aim to contact everybody that messages in with us with some form of reply and to build up a good user basis. Now it's time for our most exciting segment, which is Blind Questions. So here we're going to pose each other uh, a question, a gaming related question um, that the other person's got no idea, has, has done no preparation for and just just to see what the other person's view is on it. So it could it's probably a question that, that we've been thinking of uh, internally and it's just a way of starting the discussion really. So we'll discuss it here and then you can discuss it in the comments and in your feedback back to us. I mean, just get get the discussion moving forward. Really, it's just some some nice things to think about. Okay. Um, and based on what you've just been discussing with your wish for an open world football game yeah. and your love of sport games, my question is kind of aimed at that. Yeah. And my question is, do you think sports games get an easy ride? And by that what I mean is when a new sport game is released annually um, nobody ever says this game I'm expecting it to get game of the year like the expectations on it are kind of minimal yeah in terms of people just go oh so the next FIFA's out I'm going to buy FIFA because I like FIFA mm-hmm. um, because with sports games there's for me I think they're quite unique in the fact that Certainly here in England, because of people's love for football, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people will buy a new console like PlayStation or whatever the next one is, um, specifically just to play FIFA. Yeah. And they will purchase no other game for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not gamers. They're sports enthusiasts and want to play a, exactly. a, a sports game. Yeah. Okay. So, and because of their love of sport, they look at the, the, the game of FIFA mm-hmm. from a sporting view and they'll pick faults at it going, that's rubbish because that wouldn't happen in football or you can tell the coding's bad in it here because the player didn't switch when I wanted it to. And this year for FIFA particularly, there's been the most of those kind of discussions I've had with people. Yeah. For a long, long time, this is the worst FIFA that I can remember being released. Okay, and what you're getting at is we don't hear about that in the mainstream gaming industry. Yeah, and what I'm saying is that there's all these um, 
all these negative comments around it, um, but all these people, including myself, <clears throat> are going to go out and buy the next iteration of it. Yeah. Whereas if Assassin's Creed came out and it was rubbish, mm-hmm. a lot of people would drop off that franchise altogether yeah. and be like, I'm not touching that again. But with the sports franchises, because we see it from a sporting enthusiast point of view rather than a gaming point of view, mm-hmm. do you think they get get off slightly easy? I think they do get off slightly easy, actually, uh, thinking about it. I think that your comparison to Assassin's Creed, whilst it's relevant in the game, it's not relevant to the product. So, Pro Evolution Soccer and FIFA and Football Manager, they're not selling you their product. They're selling you access to football. And because of the fandom in football and because you love Manchester City and I love Wolverhampton Wanderers I don't buy don't FIFA don't say that and we'll get no comments now <laughs> because of because of those allegiances to those teams we don't buy those games um, because we have an allegiance to EA Sports or to Konami we have an allegiance to our teams and we want to see our teams and our heroes depicted on the screen and try and enjoy that I think um the developers of those said games, less so much um, Football Manager, um, but definitely the other two. I think they do play on that they'll get an easy ride because they're not selling to um, gamers, they're selling to sports enthusiasts. And I think, surprisingly, um, for a company that's so hell-bent on forcing microtransactions for progression, as we've seen in Battlefront 2, it's amazing that um, EA haven't moved to a subscription model with FIFA. I was just about to say that to you. So, based on what you've just said, would the way forward not to be just release a FIFA game, like just called FIFA, no number attached to it, mm-hmm. and just release new kit updates, new stadium updates, and tweaks here and there for that me you have to pay for? For me and you paying for it, yeah. Because you'd expect an update like that to cost you... 15 to 25 pounds a year yeah but instead they want you to go out and buy the disc and spend the 40 to 50 pounds and still not have that backlash if i think if we all voted with our wallets and we said okay fifa 19 from 13 to 14 14 to 15 15 to 18 whatever we haven't had enough of a difference to warrant if we voted with our wallets this year this September, October, whenever it is that 19 comes out, if we voted with our wallets and said, no, we're not buying this game, it's not enough of a difference, then I think that would force EA um, to change how they think, whereas they're sort of milking it a little bit with the way they've oh, got it set up. Massively, massively. They only have to change the feel of the game a little bit, um, add in small um, changes to the game, and we'll go out and we'll we'll contribute that £50 towards the game and we'll just bitch about it all year. See, because the things they add to it, such as like the journey and Ultimate Team, I I'm, I'm, don't play Ultimate Team, so that doesn't bother me, but I understand that that makes them a lot of money and that has a, a large player base. But, but that's another thing, that was introduced to make money, not for the gamer yeah. to be able to get a better experience out of the game. Yeah. And that that's another way where they get an easy ride, I think. Because we saw with... Um, Battlefront that um, you had to pay money for microtransactions to get on and get the heroes whereas 
in FIFA, you have to buy packs to do exactly the same thing. But because they're not gamers that are playing this game, they don't feel a disjustice to it. And these people are willing to pay um, 3 99 for a pack or whatever the price is so they can hopefully get that Twitch moment of, yes, I've got a Ronaldo, look at the Portugal flag going. Um, yeah. So, do you ever think a sports game could win Game of the Year? Because, for example, if you look at the movie industry mm -hmm. and when, say, a comic book movie comes out and yeah. when it's a really good comic book movie, like Dark Knight, for example, mm -hmm. people were tipping it saying it could win an Oscar for Best Film. Yeah. And that that would be huge because no comic book film has ever won yeah. a Best Film before or even been nominated. So, surely, as a game developer wanting to put out content there, EA, for example, want to make the best sporting game, the best football game that they possibly can to blow away all the competition and to really like make a statement. So if they did that, could they push for a game of the year? No. The, see, the, the ideology of that is coming from um, Stephen the Gamer, whereas they don't want to sell to Stephen the Gamer, they want to sell to Stephen the Football Enthusiast. Oh yeah, so they're making killing already. So. so that's why they don't release a football game they release a football simulation. And that football sim is what they want to market. They're not interested in, in, your in your game nominations because there's two sides of it. They're not interested in the game nominations and the game nominations aren't interested in them because the gamers, the core gamers, the ones that go out and they've played everything from Tetris to The Last of Us to um, whatever, um, Uncharted, Gears of War, the ones that go and they play the games, they're not interested in sports. They're not interested in your sports game. And the only way that you're going to get them interested in your sports game is by diversifying the simulation. Whereas the simulation is what sells to the sports enthusiast. The sports enthusiast isn't interested in my open world sandbox yeah, football game. Totally take all that on board. Totally take all that on board. Um, it's just for me... I know no developer and nobody that makes any sort of art as they're making it goes I want to make the best game of the year or the best film of the year mm -hmm. like nobody as they're creating that bit of art is has got that in mind they just try and make the best thing that they can so I can understand that the EA do put this stuff out and because they probably do think it's the best that they can achieve but you see in more and more sports games, such as the um, American football games and FIFA, introducing more story-related modes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's to aim at sporting enthusiasts, for example. That's surely got to be because of the influence of open-world RPG games that they're, they saturate the market at the minute. That's what most games are. Mm -hmm. So surely by incorporating that, They've got their eye on, I don't know, bigger things such as winning awards, surely, because that the one for the um, American football game, for example, mm -hmm. you don't even play a game of football in that. Mm -hmm. So that's just simulating the life of a footballer. Okay. So by introducing that kind of content, what what do you think they're thinking is with that? See, for me, I think that's more of a token. Um, based on my experience of the journey on FIFA. So I've played the journey part one to its completion and the journey part two until about February time because it was just, this is just rinse and repeat. 
I don't think that there's anybody out there that could genuinely tell me that the journey is flushed out to the fullest capacity that it could have been. No, it could be loads better. It's very, it's very basic for what it is, I think. Precisely. And that's why I think that it was something that's been put in the game to sell the copies because maybe, maybe EA do feel like they're being found out in um, sticking an 18 sticker on it and saying, yeah, that's FIFA 18. Okay, 19 sticker on it, that's FIFA 19. Yeah, oh, what about the uh, the Ultimate Team cards? You need to buy them also. There are people that are spending 200, 300 pounds on these Ultimate Teams for the next game to come out. Yeah. Yeah, it's dead money, isn't it? Because they'd never roll over because they no. don't need to reinvest that money again. Precisely. And that's why I think that they're putting in these token game modes, such as The Journey, um, just to try and justify the sale a little bit more whilst it's minimal effort. Yeah. They're probably resources that they've taken from other games, dropped in, laid in new skins. I imagine it's a lot more harder than what I've just made it out to be. No, I see what you're but saying. In terms of what sharing resources across, yeah. across the different um, games that they put out, yeah. But what they're doing in terms of actually creating the game, I think it's very minimal. Um, and I do think it's more for a token rather than to try and diversify and up sales. Because yeah. we've already established me and you will buy FIFA 19. Oh, yeah. We've looked at buying it for a home console and also the Nintendo Switch. So that's two sales straight away. So f for me, I don't think that they have a need to buy to be diversifying in the way that we want them to. Yeah, the, the only reason why I really want to bring up this as a discussion is because, for example, when Zelda and Mario hit last year, but the expectation on them was so high and they had to deliver so much because everybody was saying before before we even got to play them that this could potentially be a game of the year or that's the game I'm looking forward to most there's people out there that are looking forward to FIFA the most mm -hmm. but it's not going to chart on game of the year for the but, reasons we've discussed but Mario and Zelda and games of those kind are satisfying the primary function of video games whereas FIFA isn't your primary source of football. No. But like I say, the, when they release Mario, they're not going, putting Odyssey out because this is a game of the year contender. They're going, we've got this idea for Mario and we want this Mario game to be the best that it can possibly be. But how long did they take to develop that? Years. And how often does FIFA... How many FIFAs were released during that Mario Odyssey production? Two or three. But if you there's, look at the gap between the previous Mario game and Mario Odyssey, there is more revolutionary stuff happening in that gap than there is over four or five FIFA games in that time. Exactly. That tells you everything that you need to know about that. They're not interested in diversifying or creating a better game. They're interested in your pound notes in their till. I agree. I just thought it would be a good topic of discussion. Yeah. If you think it's a good topic of discussion, sound off in the comments and write to us at remasteredpodcast at gmail.com and also find us on Instagram at remastered underscore podcast we'd love you to come and follow us and send us a picture yeah like we say we aim to reply to all feedback that we receive so if you want to be part of the dis this discussion message in and we'll involve you okay so my question Steve okay I'm nervous now, I'm nervous now. I'm not very confident about because it was something that I thought of in passing yesterday and to be honest with you I should have done more research into 
But, based on what I thought, I think there is a question to be made there. We'll let you be the judge of this. <laughs> God of War's coming out in April. Oh my god, yes. And Kratos is a character that we all know, even if people don't feel any affection towards. Now, I've never played any of the God of War games, yep. but I will be buying this one. So you should, it looks amazing. Uncharted 4 come out, and again, I'd never played any Uncharted game. Uncharted 4 came out, I bought it. I loved the character Nathan Drake. Yep. We, we're seeing in both of these games the protagonist that is associated with Sony as one of their core IPs coming to the end of their timeline. Do you think that there is a, a drive at Sony at the moment to move on past these IPs that they're established on and maybe create newer IPs, uh, a newer generation of games such as your Horizon um, that they can be associated with? Uh, I think to a certain degree, yes, they, they will. Because um, if you look at their mascots such as Nathan Drake and... Um, Kratos as you mentioned mm -hmm. um, they attempted to put all of those in a game called PlayStation All-Stars which mm -hmm. is sort of like a, a fighting game yeah. uh, similar to Smash Brothers okay, yeah. and if you compare that to Smash Brothers the roster on Smash Brothers is a lot more wider known mm -hmm. and more household names in there because Nintendo's mascots have been the same for that ever stays yeah, on Yeah, that 20, 30 years. Like, mm -hmm. if you showed a picture of Mario to somebody, they'll know who Mario is. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you show a picture of Kratos to somebody, they're not necessarily going to know who mm -hmm. that person is. And if you think about the attach rate now that Sony has got with PlayStation 4 sales, mm -hmm. by releasing God of War, and it's an older version of Kratos, and the rumours are, and a lot of speculation is that he's going to die at the end of this, which is why his son's in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that passing of the baton if you like I think because they're getting more people into these games similar mm -hmm. to what you've seen with Nathan Drake with, with, with you joining Uncharted at, at number 4 yeah. anybody who's made the jump now and is on Sony the next game that p comes out potentially is a soft reboot for those titles mm -hmm. so spoiler alert at the end of Uncharted you see uh Nathan Drake's daughter and you play a small segment as her yeah yeah. Um, so a lot is being alluded to the next game could be about her yeah and um, do you think that that's a drive that Sony are making to try and differentiate the PS4 from the PS3 so that you're not saying we're getting the same old games and that they can give you a new experience with new characters I think it's a way of them pleasing everybody because new people that, like I say, have bought a PlayStation now and are playing these games for the first time, they'll be attached to that franchise then, mm -hmm. almost as if it's a new IP for them. Yeah. And people that are familiar with the franchises, if they're done well enough, they'll stick with them. Yeah. Such as um, Uncharted, you've seen Lost Legacy released. Mm -hmm. Two totally different characters, playable, mm -hmm. compared to Uncharted 1, 2 and 3 and mm -hmm. 4. So it's just a way of, like I say, soft reboot, essentially. And the other thing with that is, if you think about the titles of these games, God of War, anybody could be a God of War, yeah. providing the story is tailored towards that. 
yeah. Uncharted. Anybody can be in that. So do you think it's a way of keeping the fan base for that IP whilst also moving it on and yeah. giving it a, a, a fresh look? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because if you were to release a Mario game and it didn't have Mario in it, it's no longer a Mario game, is it? No. So the titles of these games lend themselves to be to have that blueprint of being rebootable, if you like. So like 007 or Doctor Who? Yeah, yeah. So it's somebody else taking on that mantle. But because that name is already established... It's quality assured. Yeah, exactly. People will pick it up going, oh, I like the Uncharted games, or oh, I like that Uncharted game. And if it just so happens to be the start of a new story... Mm-hmm or a new um, series of games, then people will be attached to that and get whatever iterations come out. Yeah. So I think that's why they do it, yeah, definitely. Let us know what you think. Is Kratos being killed off, or is it just a happy coincidence for this segment? He better not be killed off. (laughs) Okay, so now for a time for a little bit of fun with this section that we're calling Three Mastered. For this segment, we'll pose each other a series of three riddles in which the other person has to guess which game those three riddles are attached to. So I'm in the hot seat for today. You're going to tell me your riddles? Yep. Hit me with them. Okay. So riddle one Yeah. for the first game. Hold on. What are we going to do? You're going to tell me a riddle. I have a little think. If I guess it, I can guess. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's yeah. the format we're going to go for, so... I'll give you the first clue. Yep. I think clue. I think clue's a better word than riddle in this case, as riddle's a bit too clever for me, if I'm honest. <laughs> okay. so. so if we go for, I'll give you the first clue. Yep. And then you have a guess at what the game will be. Okay. And if you get it right, I'll tell you you've got it right, and then I'll read out the rest of the clues okay. for that game, okay? All right. Okay. So clue one yep. for game one is it's a new IP. Okay. It's very broad and very vague, but I don't want it to be too easy. Cuphead. No, but that's okay. a good guess. Okay. Okay. So, clue two. Yeah. Is, you spend some time at Mother's Pass. Oh, okay. Yeah. Horizon. Yeah. See. Horizon easy. Zero Dawn. Easy. Nice and easy. So, clue three was Thunderjaw. Okay. Okay. Nice. So on to game two. Yeah. First clue is it's in a series of games. In a series of games. Grand Theft Auto V. Oh. No. Okay. Good guess though, good guess though. Second clue. Yeah. Himalayas. Ah, Far Cry 4. Shit, I'm making these too easy. I'm making these too easy. Oh, I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy about this. Um, what was, what was this game? Oh, day. Oh, day. This was the first of a series of games. The first of a series of games. Am I allowed to ask questions? No. No. These are just clues. Okay. First of a series of games. First of a series. Super Mario Brothers. No. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even know if that was the first one. 
second clue. Yeah. Loads of flags. Assassin's Creed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> I have to rethink this for next week because he's obviously finding them too easy. Nice, nice. So that's it for this week. Tell us what you thought in the comments below. If you have any feedback for us, we'd really appreciate you sending it to the email, sending us an instant message. What could we have done better? What did you like? What didn't you like? And Who what would you like to see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? Who, what? I don't know. Yeah. Let us know what you'd like to see and what we could include into next week's show. Literally, all feedback is gratefully received. Except for criticism. Yeah. And slander. We might reply to those ones first. And dick pics. <laughs> Send those to uh, Carl Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, do send those. <laughs>